Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to talk about the player cards from the Circle Undone expansion. We're finally getting around to it, and I think that this time uh, we're going to be talking about it a little differently in terms of instead of uh, talking about just the Guardian Seeker cards kind of in order, we're going to be talking about the collection. There's a collection of skill cards and a collection of tarot cards in this expansion. And maybe you haven't really heard of what they are yet, but we'll get around to them kind of all together um, rather than breaking it into colors. Yeah, because those are very similar across the colors. Like They're not really totally separate cards. They're kind of all following a pattern. So, Yeah, they all have kind of a similar theme. Yeah. The other thing we should say is usually when we talk about these player cards, we are doing it before we actually get a chance to play with them because it's right when the pack comes out. But in this case, we're a little bit late, so we've actually had a chance to play with some of these. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. I think I think all of these cards are pretty interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, go through them with you guys. So let's start out with uh, Guardian cards. Sure. Uh, let me let me do the first one. So the first one is Interrogate. This is a uh, Guardian event, costs two resources, has a combat and an intellect icon on it. It's a tactic and an insight, and it says, Parley, choose a humanoid enemy at your location and test combat three. This test gets plus X difficulty, where X is the chosen enemy's damage value. If you succeed, discover one clue at your location and one clue at any other location. Uh, and the art I would describe as uh, a bad cop. Or there's a, a really cool, like, old-school 1920s-style fan in it, which is somehow very sinister and menacing. So I think that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what do you guys think about this one? Is it What kind of deck would you put it in? Or, or what, do you, what kind of a role do you think it fills? Uh, I think that... I think it depends on what type of scenario you're doing to, to be able to use this card, because it's focused on being able to uh, trigger off humanoid enemies. So some usually, like, earlier scenarios in the campaign, this might be decent for, because there's usually more humans running around before they devolve into... Some type of Cthulhu monsters everywhere, but good point. <laughs> so it might be it might be an okay like starter card that you swap out relatively early. Yeah, it's definitely competing for this role of kind of a one-off get some clues card with like scene of the crime and evidence and stuff. Yeah. But I think the difference between this and those cards is that it's just very situational because you need to have a humanoid enemy. So in some scenarios that's fine; it's not much of a limitation. In others, this is going to be probably kind of a blank card. So as cool as the theme is, um, that makes me kind of not want to play it very much. I will also say the humanoid restriction deprives us of the extreme fun of being able to play this against like a giant mutant bat or something and uh, <laughs> be kind of like punching it saying, tell me what you know, yeah. like that would be, uh, that'd, that'd be pretty funny. So it's kind of too bad we can't do that. I think what's cool about the card is that it's the first uh, of the guardian cards anyways, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the the first proactive one. I mean, I know that scene of the crime is also proactive, but you kind of want to wait for the uh, for an enemy to to be on you so that you can benefit from getting two clues. Otherwise, it's almost not worth it, depending on the scenario, of course. So this one, you as long as there's a humanoid enemy somewhere, you can kind of move to them and then punch them, 
like punch the clues right out of their chops. You know, like that's that's what I want to do. I want to do that as a guardian. Although the number of times that I have a clue at my location and another location that I care about is usually not a lot, just because usually the seeker will be doing their job and picking up clues on places with victory on them. <laughs> so normally you won't have to really deal with clues at other locations, but it's it's a really nice benefit. And two clues for one card is usually pretty good. Yeah, and, and I think... um. It's worth mentioning this is an insight and it costs two, so it's sort of a natural fit for Joe Diamond's uh, hunch deck. Right. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Joe Diamond's. I think that what I've learned so far is you really there's a lot of cards that can fit in your hunch deck, but you won't ever actually be in the right situation to play. Right. And I think this is likely to be one of those. Even though you can basically play it for free, the chances of this popping up on top of your hunch deck on a turn where there's a clue at your location and one at another location, and you have a humanoid enemy and you don't have other more important things you need to do, and you can pass the parley test, I think that's virtually never going to happen. So I, I yeah, I really don't think that this is a good fit for, for the hunch deck, and probably just not in general. It might be all right for Larry, who can swap with uh, the green card. Oh god, what's it called? Adaptable. Yes, there we go. <laughs> who can swap it out, like mid-scenario? Might be fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It could be could be good for the, the people that can play adaptable, like Larry and Skids and stuff. Yeah. I think for, as uh, Dan mentioned, for like multiplayer, if you have like a focus seeker or other people that are dedicated to clues, they're probably not the guardian. This isn't fantastic, but it, it could be a little bit better in solo where actions are a little bit more crunched. And maybe if you're playing a, a guardian type character in solo, you need like a way to be able to get clues. But again, the situational constraint restricts it, you know. It's a very good point. That's true. I think it would be it would be difficult if you're relying on this to get clues and then you find a scenario where there's no humanoids, but in like a skid solo deck or something, maybe it would work. So Yeah. Seems fine. Yeah, do you guys want to move on to the next one? Yes, the next one is a Guardian event called Delay the Inevitable. It costs two resources to play. It has a uh, combat symbol and an agility symbol on it. Uh, it's an insight, a spirit, which means Calvin can play it, and a tactic. Uh, it is fast. Play only during your turn, attached to an investigator at your location, under his or her control. And then as a reaction, uh, when you are dealt damage and or horror, discard delay the inevitable and cancel all damage and or horror just dealt. Forced, when the mythos, pa- uh, mythos phase ends, you must spend either two resources or discard delay the inevitable. So when I first saw this card... I had a, uh, I thought it was much better than it is, and I, I, I think it's a good card, but I thought that it meant that as long as you can pay the two resources, you can just keep this thing around forever, which is definitely not the case. You, as the second you take any instance of damage and or horror, you discard it and then cancel the damage. When I first saw this card, I thought that art should win a Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I, yeah, you definitely. Just... This art is pretty great. <laughs> oh man, it's a, that is that's just a real fish monster right there. And oh, give us fish monsters, Matt Newman. Yeah, this lady's not happy about about what's going on. So, <laughs> would you be? Nope. <laughs> so yeah, the card itself. Uh, I mean, it is a reaction, so you don't have to trigger it the first time you take damage. But having to spend two resources every turn is not great for this. I think this is good as like a a substitute for like a dodge or something where you maybe, I don't know if a Guardian would use it themselves, but maybe someone that has subclass Guardian could have this to play on an, on whoever their fighter is yeah. if they're like trying to tank a monster. Or you know someone that's trying to tank the monsters so they can avoid the damage and not have to actually pay the money 
to... Uh, I think that you we have to kind of yeah. divide this into two use cases. There's the use case where you're saying, oh, I'm going to keep this around until I need it. And in that case, basically nobody can afford that except... Um, well, Preston can't play it, right? No. So maybe you could say like Jenny could sort of uh, afford it or Skids or somebody, but I don't think that even they don't want to spend that much money to keep this on the field for a long period of time. So then you're thinking, okay, well, it's like a one-use thing where I think I'm about to die, so I'll play this. And in that case, yeah, there's just better cards like Dodge or Perseverance, if you can play them, that are probably better. The one use that I can think of where this might be pretty good is as a very specific, put this into your deck for Dunwich if you're dealing with that Hex that does 10 damage. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, just like that, there's also that purple card that reshuffles your, your discard pile into your deck. It's also kind of like a fix for that situation. Yeah, Quantum Flux. Yeah, so if you're worried about that, then maybe it's reasonable to have one of these specifically for Dunwich, but I really wouldn't ever play it aside from that. I think it's a very fair assessment because uh, Dunwich, that card is probably the scariest card beyond the veil you're talking about with take 10 damage. This is like the only card, uh, one, the only card without not worth experience that can cancel all damage and or horror. So like if Yogg-Sothoth hits you late, like late into the Dunwich cycle, you just cancel all of it when this thing is, you know, uh, on the table. In addition, you can play it on other people. Um, I think that that's also really useful because some people might be playing like a rogue with really low will, for example, who might need it um, for certain horror checks and things like that. But I thought there were two other very obvious uh, synergies with this card. One being uh, Calvin, because he can play spirits, right? I'm not I'm not just crazy. That's correct. Yeah, he can play Perseverance also, though, which I think is probably better for him, isn't it? Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Due to the, the nature of a reactive thing being just better than a proactive thing, right? But in that in that scenario, anyway. But also in Diana. Diana cancels the damage, and she puts it under her card. So it kind of counts towards her ability to uh, stack up will yeah. faster. Um, is, is another synergy that if some people want to go with it, go with it. Yeah, so it at least works as kind of fodder for if you're just trying to quickly get a bunch of cards under her to raise her will. But that's oof, that's pretty grim. Uh, Joe, it might be okay in Joe just because it's a fast card and it'll be like in his uh, in his um, in his hunch deck. He because it's a fast card and it costs two. It'll be it's like a free fast card, so it's something that could help thin his hunch deck a little bit if that's something you're trying to trying to do. Yeah, I guess if you're just trying to get stuff out of the hunch deck as fast as possible. But I I think that like we were talking about with the previous card it's going to be unlikely that this pops up the turn that you need it if there's a turn where you need it. And also, you know, he, he really he can't afford to keep it around, certainly, because he's pretty poor, so. Right. Um, next one. Yeah, so let's take a look at the first Seeker card in this pack, uh, Fingerprint Kit. It is a asset, cost four, uh, level zero card, has one intellect icon on it. It is an item and a tool. It takes up the hand slot. And when you play it, it gets three supply put on it. And the ability on it is, as an action, exhaust fingerprint kit and, and spend one supply. Investigate, you get plus one intellect for this investigation. If you succeed, you discover one additional clue at your location. So this is a, this gives everybody access to the ability to be Rex for a, for a, for a couple turns. Once a turn for a couple uh, turns. <laughs> Yeah, at yeah. Co- at a cost four, <laughs> uh, which I mean that's that's it's a high cost, but it's I mean it's still pretty good. I think I've definitely played around with this a little bit in some secret decks. Uh, I know Dan was playing it with in Joe. What what do you think, Dan? 
It is a it is powerful. I mean, the four four resources is quite a bit. I mean, it's nice with a with a seeker once you have Milan down. If you're playing Milan, then money isn't really that much of a concern. So then you can afford it. But it is difficult when instead of drawing Milan at the beginning, you draw this instead, and you're like, well, I can't really afford to play this. It'd be great to get extra clues, but I just kind of have to hold on to it. Um, but it's definitely neat. I mean, I don't think that it's automatically better than magnifying glass in every situation, but it's better in a lot of situations. So it's definitely worth thinking about. And you can play both if you want to have like one in each hand. So I think that comparing it to Magnifying Glass is interesting too. I remember this was one of the cards that was spoiled on the FFG article. And I remember seeing this and getting very excited about it because it is definitely a viable alternative to Magnifying Glass while not strictly better. Because I think that there are some tests that Magnifying Glass also works really well on in terms of doing like, you know, like Spires of Carcosa and tests tests that would are alternative investigate tests that magnifying glass still helps you out whereas this doesn't give you any any base intellect you know there's no there's no inherent benefit for having this so i think that you're almost incentivized to play it with see i mean it's a it's a good card so i think i would play it there's an argument to play it with any seeker but i think that i would be more inclined to play it with a seeker like daisy or like uh norman who can not really care about not having that that uh benefit to their intellect, the static benefits to their intellect. And with Norman, you get the discount too, uh, of the one if you played off the top of your deck. So it, it kind of helps soften the blow of playing this very big card. It's also, uh, one thing that's neat is you can refill the supplies with um, cash level three, which if you're a seeker, you're very likely already playing for Melteroni. Oh yes. So you can just have this in Melteroni and you can put more supplies on whichever one you need. Yeah, absolutely. That That's also a very, very good point. Also, this synergizes with with um, with Joe in the way that it's a tool, correct? He he, his guns allow him to play tool. It synergizes with his hunch guns, yeah. So he he could uh, yeah, yeah yeah he could he could have his guns out and the fingerprint kit. Cool. But that's that's the case for a magnifying glass as well. Yeah, I think this card's good. I think it's I think it's a very solid card, and it's a good viable uh, option if you don't want to play uh, a magnifying glass or alongside. Yeah, I mean, I would just say don't ignore the very high cost to it because that is significant and there might be some decks where you kind of want to play this but you just can't afford it. Right. But if you can afford that cost and if you're aware of that going in, it's very powerful. So it's definitely a, a very good card. Cool. So let's do the next one. Sure. So the next one is Connect the Dots. This is a Seeker event, costs four resources, has two intellect icons. It's an insight. It says, fast, play if you, after you discover the last clue at your location discover two clues at a location with a lower printed shroud value than your location. That's kind of interesting. It's also, I mean, it's worth, it's worth mentioning. I think all four of the cards we've talked about so far, well, I guess um, two of them were insights or three of them are insights. All four of them are kind of maybe at least worth thinking about putting in a Joe diamond deck. I guess this also sort of is. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about this card? Uh, I think you forgot to read the uh, spooky text on the bottom of it. That's that I like. It's uh, a, <laughs> they thought you were being unreasonable, paranoid, delusional, Turns out you were right all along. It's great. I like, I like the. I, I'm always down for a good conspiracy theory uh, related theme uh, to anything. The card itself, though, it's high cost, uh, but has potential to like discover you two extra clues when you just when you discover something. And it has the two intellect icons on it, uh, which means that it can be a substitute for like a perception or something. So, I think it's interesting that the high cost is is definitely the big deterring factor. Yeah, and the fact that it's the fact that it's at a place with a lower shroud, so it's not even like you could say, "Oh, there's a place over there that has horribly high shroud because of like a fog or something," and I want to use this to get it. It's like, no, this is you're basically only able to use this to get clues from a place that you probably could get clues from anyway. 
Yeah, but it, it's it's has potential for the action compression, you know, so maybe you don't have to go back to a location that has clues on it or something. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the action compression is very important, I think. Um in places like like the um the the train, uh this might be cool for that because when you think that one of the train you can you can kind of press forward and or your teammates can press forward. This will not help a train in any in any capacity. You can't you can't advance through the train until you get all the clues from your current car. Oh, okay, never mind then. Don't 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 listen. To me. <laughs> but you can you can kind of base your base your play around having it. Um, in that you can kind of skip over lower sh- lower shroud areas and kind of leave them for maybe you kind of have a hybrid cluer cluver slash uh, monster puncher and you're the seeker and trying to find the the higher shroud areas with the victory on it so you can get those and you can kind of think about relying on this as kind of a backup if in case they they get tangled up in some monsters or something like that you can kind of use this in that sense but I think the coolest part about this card is its theme is that. It's it's cool in that it takes a lot of resources to connect the dots, oh. and it's kind of it leads to one of those big epiphany moments, like in True Detective or something, or when you find out who the murderer is or something, and then you get a big payoff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, it's cool. I think the thing is, I think cool. you could definitely put it in the weird deck that Dane talks about sometimes about the like don't ever move from one location and remotely investigate if you really wanted to. Ugh. It's or... like the unicorn deck. <laughs> And I think because, as Ben said, it does have double intellect on it, it maybe would fit in a slot of like an alternate perception. Although I think there's maybe yeah. even, I think there's even better options for that probably. But I think it's just mm-hmm. kind of too expensive to just say like, oh, I'm going to put this on my deck and use it. Yeah. Again, anybody that can get discounts on it could could have foreseeably better use out of it, right? Like Joe or like Norman or um, you know something like that. I mean, uh, these expensive cards, uh, Ursula can also make pretty good use of because she has access. To... No, what, what? I always think Ursula is rogue subclass. She's not. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> there's no when, when we get the eventual rogue subclass. We'll edit that out. No, we won't. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, when we get the eventual seeker with a rogue subclass, uh, so that they could get an insane amount of money. Yes. Uh, all these expensive cards uh, <laughs> will be great for that. <laughs> so. Hey, oh boy. All right. <laughs> you, do, do you want to go right. through the next card, Dade? Oh, absolutely. And speaking of being well-connected, this card's called Well-Connected. Wait, what's the what's the Well-Connected to? It doesn't, it, we're missing a crucial piece <laughs> of information. <laughs> well, speaking of being rich, what? <laughs> this card is called Well-Connected. Are you ready for this rogue card even? It is an asset. It, you, it costs two resources to play. It has an intellect icon on it. It's a condition. Limit one per investigator. And it has... Uh, exhaust well connected with a little lightning bolt symbol uh, you get plus one skill value for the skill test for every five resources you have so this card benefits from you this card benefits from you being rich um, which is kind of the theme in rogue here with preston being a uh, rich um, socialite um, but rogues can generally kind of get rich right they can kind of have um, uh, what's what's the the card uh, hot streak they have hot streak and they have cash and they, and they oh, have. They can get high roller. Sure, they have high roller. They can play with money. They have um, watch this. They have cards that can get them a lot of a lot of resources and kind of benefit benefit from this. It's cool because you can use it for any kind of test. So you can use it if you're Finn. You can use it on your will test because you suck at having will. Um, and you you can use it for you know pretty much anything, but only once. And there's you can only have one down at any given time. So it's kind of limited in that sense. What do you guys think? If you're playing a deck 
uh, like big money Preston uh, or other rogues that maybe are stockpiling money because you're maybe using Dario or something, then I think this is pretty good. Especially big money Preston, you could potentially, because I think strategy for him is just like, oh, uh, stash all my money for a couple turns and now I have like 20 money all the time. So this is like a plus four or something. I think it's pretty yeah. good. Uh, but you definitely have to like be designing a deck that's focused. Part of the strategy is going to be like, right, I'm going to stockpile a bunch of money and I'm not going to actually spend it on stuff. I'm just going to have it to boost like boost cards specifically when I need to splurge money or have like passive benefits from like this well connected or the next card we'll talk about or maybe other cards that come yeah, out sure. in this uh, this campaign. Yeah, I I would agree with Ben. I think that this does fit in that archetype of the I'm just going to collect a huge amount of money and sit on it like a uh, capitalist parasite. But uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't really think that there's quite enough support for that archetype just yet. But if you wanted to go ahead and try it just to see how these cards work, then you know go for it. Maybe it'll be cool. But yeah. I think it's it's really too bad that you're only allowed to have one in play because most of the other cards we've seen that work kind of like this, like uh, cornered or um, what's the good one, high roller, don't have that restriction. Right. So it's weird that it's on this one. Yeah. Um... I think that it's, I mean, both all of the, the cornered that, that whole, uh, collection of cards, uh, is, is worth, I think two experience for each one of them, but this one, I guess you could kind of argue that the experience, um, experienceless kind of way that does not take up a slot. It does not, you know, kind of stricture you in any way is, is pretty all right. And I, I've, I've kind of also been truly analyzing this art. And and it reminds me of another card. Can you guys figure it out? <laughs> uh, well prepared, perhaps. No, nope. I don't know, Dane. <laughs> Do you, the guy who looks really smug and shrewd analysis. I I even laid it out for you guys. I, I <laughs> well, it, we don't remember what the art is on random seeker cards that nobody plays that sometimes let you not have Melteron. All right, okay. F- fair <laughs> argument. Fair <laughs> argument. Moving on. Uh. Yeah, I I just the as we've said before, when if there's support for the archetype, we have big money. This is definitely a great card for that. Even even yeah. going all the way up to like expert mode, because if you stockpile all your money, this could be like a absurd bonus, like once per round to some important test that you'll yeah almost guaranteedly pass. I so mean, that's, definitely that's uh, pretty good. If if you try to make a deck like that and you drop paranoia as your basic weakness, probably just quit and walk away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Oh, paranoia. Uh, all moving, right. moving on to the next one though probably right yeah so the next card is a rogue event called money talks uh it is cost zero to play it's level zero uh, it has the traits favor and gambit it is fast play when you initiate a skill test instead of the skill type indicated for this test this is a resource skill test. Your base skill value for this test is equal to half the number of resources in your resource pool rounded down. And you can't buy happiness, but you can buy pretty much everything else. You heard it from Ben here, folks. <laughs> so again, this, this card goes along with the uh, big money archetype we've been discussing. Uh, it's a little bit easier to get like a high number baseline out of it. Uh, just because it's half your resources, then like well connected. Yeah. But if you're like if you're at like ten resources or more, you know that's a base of five. That's pretty great for m- most skill tests, at least in standard and in hard. And a little bit more money, you'll be at like six, seven, which is amazing. 
Yeah, and it kind of enables if you get up to 20 or something or, or 25, you can start doing dumb stuff like committing a double or nothing and easily passing it, and doubling up, whatever. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is... Like the other card, never play this unless you're going for that type of collect a bunch of money and then just sit on it uh, archetype. But and, and I think this is even less important to that deck than Well Connected is because it only works once. It doesn't give you this renewable benefit. But, I mean, yeah, you would probably play it in that deck. So Yeah, so one thing that I was thinking of uh, primarily, this, this card is actually really good for if you're, if you're playing Finn and you have Milan, eventually you will have money. And this card, I think, is great for Finn in the way that um, it helps him with his his uh, will tests, like just his inherently very bad will. Um, he has you handle this one, which can kind of get him out of a getting him out of a, a, you know a rut where he's trying to take a really hard skill uh, will test or something. But this also kind of can serve for that in that, like, if you have a will six test or something like that, you can crank it down to not being that that bad if if you're kind of later game with milan and, and you have a lot of money yeah it's true i mean it would compete against just other things like playing a logical reasoning or a guts or something but it, you could think about it depending on what you wanted to do yeah well it's a little bit more flexible than like a guts because you can use it on like any skill test yeah but i think realistically finn's gonna pass agility tests without really the need for help so i think realistically most of the time you'd be saving this for a dangerous will test yeah exactly um, yeah, so I mean, both of these cards, it's really too early to say. Like, I think based on just these cards and Preston, I don't think that that is really a very good deck yet, but yeah, that could definitely change as we see more more green cards. Yeah, seems seems like a fair analysis. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and do the next one. So the next one is the first uh, Mystic card. It's an event, cost zero, has a wild icon on it. It's called Deny Existence. It's a spell and a paradox. Interesting. Uh, it says, fast, play when an encounter card or enemy attack would cause you to do one of the following. Choose one, discard cards from hand, lose resources, lose actions, take damage, or take horror. You ignore that aspect of the effect. So actually, this works great in the Paranoia Money Talks deck, because you just play this, and when you draw your Paranoia... Um, <laughs> oh no, because that's, that's, not, that's not an encounter card or enemy attack, so it doesn't work. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no, Paranoia is a uh, treachery, so that is an encounter card. That, uh, that that makes no sense. That's like the the rule about this game that makes the least sense to me. It just seems like an encounter card should be something from the encounter deck, but whatever. Player cards are assets, events, and skills, and like everything else is an encounter card. All right, fair uh, enough. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? This card's bonkers. This card, I think, I think this card is crazy good. Wait, really? Yeah. So like, burn all your copies of Quantum Flux because now this card is here. Uh, when you would take ten damage from the hex cards. <laughs> Burn all my copies of a card that I never played because it was bad. <laughs> yeah, you played a Dudwitch for that for that one scenario. <laughs> no, it's it's really cool. I think this this effect is great um, for for uh, for mystics to have. Um, a lot of the time, there may be um, there may be effects that. Oh wait, no, just kidding. This card's okay. <laughs> What, what did scratch everything your, I just said? Play it in Dunwich so you don't what die. What was your epiphany, Dane? What did you just learn? I learned that it's not the card that I was thinking of that is also a good card and has amazing art. Guys, yeah, so, guys, I'm remanding my statement. This card is pretty good. It's it's all right. Put it in your deck sometimes, but so, also the art is amazing. So I, I like the art of. Uh, I'm not sure if that's Diana or if that's just a another lady, but uh, I like the art of her being in some type of uh, time uh, vortex 
bubble or something that she's just using to ignore whatever the hell's going on <laughs> outside. Uh, the card itself, I think it's good for Diana because of her. She can it basically is a card that lets her cancel something bad happening to her for no money that she can then tuck to boost her willpower and then get a money and a resource. Or, and sorry, and a money and a card. Out and of it's it. very it's very flexible. Like this can cancel a yeah. lot of stuff. So it, it it doesn't have a huge impact. But if she gets this early, she can cancel something with it very soon and increase her will. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Right. So I think it's great for her. I think it's almost auto included her decks just because it's yeah, as you said, so flexible. Um, for for other mystics, uh, yeah, I agree with Dane. Or I agree with Dane's uh, second statement where it's 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 all right. <laughs> it's still like decent because it's cost zero and it's fast. Like those are definitely not things to overlook. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it's like not quite as good as like a ward because ward could be used to cancel doom being added but it can cancel like almost everything else that uh you draw from the encounter deck right uh i mean a lot of things i mean it doesn't stuff that maybe like searches the deck to put an enemy on the field or like makes an enemy move towards you like there's a lot of other bad things that can happen this yeah. is actually kind of a cool card in the respect that uh when 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 you guys were just kind of uh realizing that uh encounter cards are uh or treachery cards are encounter cards and they are weaknesses um you could kind of like if you get a particularly bad weakness, you could like um like paranoia or amnesia. Uh, yeah amnesia. This this might be a solid pickup just as kind of a one of maybe to hopeful like like pick it up so that you can completely null the effect of that because those cards can be devastating sometimes. Yeah, I I could see that happening. Um, that that might make sense. Uh, I also think that, you know, what we've seen so far in Circle Undone is the encounter deck is very nasty, and there are a lot of things that make you discard cards. So if you're just having this problem where you find that your hand is constantly empty because you keep having to discard everything, but I think the problem is that even then, to play this, you have to be a mystic, basically, in most cases, and mystics usually have high will and usually are going to do better against those encounter cards than other people, and because it's a lot of will tests. So I guess it doesn't really help a whole lot in that situation. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. So, I mean, it, it seems like we agree. Definitely play it in Diana, but I probably not great outside of that. I think it's a very versatile card. Um, I could see, like, the, the Dunwich Investigators maybe getting some use out of it that we're not seeing, maybe. Um, I think it's a very interesting card. Yeah. Yeah, it's another it's another cool, almost, like, sideboard card if you can play Adaptable Land this, because <laughs> if you're in a scenario where there's some kind of, like, really horrible effect you're really worried about, then put a couple of these in. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next card is Eldritch Inspiration. It is another zero-cost event for Mystics. Um, it has a will icon and an intellect icon. Um, it is a spell, and it is a spirit, which means Calvin can play it. Um, it says fast. <laughs> play when you would resolve an effect on a Mystic card. Guys, Calvin can't play this card. That yeah. triggers when <laughs> a skull, occultist, any of the spooky symbols are revealed, including the autofail. Either cancel the effect or resolve it in additional time. This card is the bonkers card, guys. I'm going all in on this card. This card is amazing. I love this card. I love that this card exists. It's it's incredible for Mystics. I'm pretty sure this card is awful, Dane, unless there's something that I'm missing. Um, what, how are you? How are you going to use this card? Yeah. Ugh. So all of the all of the bad effects that you get on the Mystic cards, um, like the even shriveling, like, like taking one horror or losing one action, losing your entire turn if you're playing. Um, if you're playing uh, Rite of Seeking, right? Like, that would be a really, really powerful thing to cancel. Um, Wait, what What makes you lose your whole turn? 
a right of seeking, right? If, no, it just if makes you lose. Well, yeah, but you just play it. You just play it last click, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, this this card makes it so that you don't necessarily have to do that. In addition, it also kind of combos with with a cool thing that um, I found out in in my second playthrough of of uh, the Circle and Done, which is um, the the uh, the dodge card, um, uh, the the Mystic Dodge, Hypnotic Gaze. Yes, Hypnotic Gaze, and then also you can kind of pair that with drawing more tokens so that you can confirm that you can get it. And then you also play this. So you can have the enemy bop itself twice, which is pretty cool, depending on how much damage it does to itself. It can, it can end up killing itself if it's, if it's a huge enemy. That's such an incredibly situational combo to do like four damage or something. Oh, but it's awesome. <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit more in the middle on this. Uh, I think, <laughs> I don't think it's amazing. Uh, I think there are some like situational combos you could do where you double the effect, uh, as Dane was mentioning, but I think that's pretty hard to pull off like consistently. And I think canceling the negative effects is like there's nothing that's too bad right now, as Dan was saying. Uh, like you can you can strategize around right of seeking, you can uh, strategize around like shriveling. Yeah. Uh, again, though, I think Diana, this is a uh, pretty good for. Exactly. Because yeah, uh, it's again, it's a cancel effect. Uh, that's so you can tuck it, get another card draw, get a money, and you know cancel whatever the minor bad thing is. So just, just like just because of Diana's like uh, ability to have cards that it doesn't like interrupt her flow at all. Uh, just because she gets to replace the card immediately and she gets money and she boosts her boosts her willpower. I think it's definitely good for her. Which means I wouldn't actually use it in Diana to like double an effect probably. Because then I wouldn't get to tuck it, but I don't know. Maybe if she's already up to up to four or five, you don't need to tuck it. So uh, I also I think we failed to mention the the art on this, which is uh quite something. It's kind of weird. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's got like some kind of weird occult ritual going on here. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I just usually I mean we usually try not to be like completely negative about the cards unless they're really really uh, merit it. Uh, you know, we try to say like, this is what you could play it in or like, well, this other card we think is a little bit better, but this one, I mean, you, you kind of have to play it in Diana just because you need a lot of stuff that cancels things, which by the way, that's a whole other conversation that Diana is, I think kind of really in a rough shape, but I just think that the only real use for this is in like three card combos where all three of the cards are bad. And the payoff is like do four damage in a very specific situation. Like I, I don't, I don't think you should ever play this unless you're trying to do some kind of really weird janky stuff. You can um, uh, have that opinion, and that's great. <laughs> I love this card because I think that it also opens up the floor for if you have like future cards. I think this card um, really fills a, a a very important part of a mystic card pool. If there are more mystic cards that are released that have more dire effects on them, like. You know how you're kind of upgrading your shriveling along the way, and it's t- and you can take um you can take two horror I think as as it gets along and uh, again that's not that bad but yeah level five all shriveling. of these things yeah level five shriveling you you take two horror if you reveal one of the spooky symbols and and then you get like if for the example if the autofail is is revealed oh great so I take two horror and then whatever else happens you know like kind of a thing yeah but i mean just just play a more flexible card that heals horror even in other situations except in that not just in that very specific situation 
Yeah, but again, like the power of reactive cards, I think is 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 pretty good here. Um, and I think that it it again it just opens up the floor for if there are other cards with very negative effects that are printed and that are just overtly like, oh, that's a bad effect kind of a thing. Well, this might be the the uh, the reasonable thing that happens. I think that what's the um, the seventh seal, right? The the seal of the seventh the, sign. Yeah, seal of the seventh symbol signs. Uh, you can you can kind of like cancel the one of the secrets being taken off of it is that right yeah i mean yeah yeah so you can kind of keep it around for a little longer that kind of a thing like you can it, it's it's got a lot of utility if if you're playing a lot of cards uh just it has some cool effects in mystics and, yeah. and if you want to if you want to have interesting effects do you guys it. remember what was the spell from from the forgotten age where it triggers off of it was sort of like the alternative shriveling where it does like one damage but sometimes it does more the shards of something I yeah remember. i I was hoping that maybe this would work with that, but then I remembered that that triggers off of zeros, not off of any of the bad tokens. So. Right. It works with... Uh, oh, song no, of I can't the remember. Dead. This, this, yeah, Song of the Dead. Yeah. I was going to say that there this this fits into Wait. the other archetype they do with Mystics, where sometimes they have cards that benefit from drawing the spooky symbols. Yes. So there's not... I don't think there's too much support for that yet, but like even just with like maybe a gym deck... If you're like trying to, to say. draw skulls, maybe it could be something you could work with it. But I, 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 as I said, I'm still in the middle on it. I'm not super pumped that I think it's amazing, but I do think there's some potential for some fun jank. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, oh yeah, that's I, I don't disagree. All right, here's a here's a mandatory Ben Ben rules question. Are we ready for a Are you ready for a mandatory Ben rules Ben question? Ben rules question. What? Uh, oh no. Yeah, let's yeah let's do it. So if you're playing Jim and you reveal a zero, or if you reveal a um. A, a skull on the test oh no no it, it's when you get an elder sign he can treat it as a a skull yeah could he treat the would that trigger this like could you could you treat is it treated as a skull in the way that you can play this and then it would you I mean, be able yeah, to cancel you, you, you treat it as a skull so it triggers an ability in and, all then, and then you are resolving an effect on a mystic card that triggers when a skull is revealed so yeah it would work oh ben phenomenal yeah. oh <laughs> Amazing, incredible. Uh, good, good job. <laughs> yep, they, yep. <laughs> Glad I could help this, with that question. This, oh man, this uh, next card needs a drum roll. Yeah, well, you can you can make up for it by reading the next card. So this card is the first survivor card of the pack. I'm most excited about this card more than any other pa- card in the pack. Yeah. So so this card is a survivor card. It is an asset. It is called Track Shoes. Costs three to play. It's a level zero and has one agility icon on it. It is an item, clothing, and footwear. And it is a limit one. There has a specification on it of limit one footwear per investigator. You It gives a passive plus one to agility. And it has a reaction on it of after you move before enemies at your new location engage you. Exhaust track shoes. Test agility three. If you succeed, move to a connecting location. Uh, so this card, uh, I think we like a lot. This card's fucking dope as hell. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, this card is amazing. This card is the best card in the box. So by a lot. So just just a little, just a little like story, just to kind of like get it get it out here. When I is started, this a story we're about playing... you not reading the cards all the way? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's also a story about our first playthrough in the Circle Undone. So when I I put this in my deck because it's a passive agility, and I was, I'm playing Rita, and I thought that this meant that there had to be enemies on a location. Uh, in order to exhaust it and get the extra bonus. Then, 
Ben and Dan explained to me that this happens whenever you move into a location. You can you can use this. The card is incredible. The card is amazing. <laughs> it lets you run around the board really fast. Faster than Ursula. And, and it stacks well with characters that are focused on agility already, like Windy or Rita or maybe Finn. Other people like that. Dane is uh, Dane is currently working on a project where he's burying a pair of these in his backyard and hoping that they'll eventually get old and nasty enough to be considered relics so that Ursula can play them. <laughs> <laughs> this is <clears throat> very true, actually. I mean, so three uh, three resources for a thing that gives you passive plus one agility and doesn't take up a slot that is used by other stuff would already be great for a lot of investigators. But the fact that it also works as like a Pathfinder sort of not quite as good, yeah. but still pretty good because if you're oh, yeah. playing this, you probably have good enough agility that you're going to pass it most of the time. So yeah, this is just really good. Yeah, like I, even thinking about that, like so the the one investigator that I thought about was like, well, Min could play this because she is also survivor, uh, but she only has two uh, two agility, so this would put her at a, a you know a three to three. So maybe that's not that. That, that's not really a good reason to put it in your deck. I mean, if you're not using agility at all, then it's probably not worth playing this. But yeah, most, yeah. most survivors are going to use it at least a bit. So, yeah, yeah, I think this card is crazy good. I I have two notes on it. So the footwear right now, there's no competition for that slot. So that's <laughs> this is great. But maybe in the future they'll add some competition. Best shoes in the game. I'm hoping that they'll <laughs> add like knife boots that you can like kick people with as like a weapon. <laughs> but look, this has spikes on it, and they're bloody. It looks like somebody already used them for it. Yeah, as you're running away, you're definitely kicking some of the face with these shoes. Yeah. Uh, that's why you go past the monsters because you like stun them or whatever. Uh, I would say there is there is a downside to this where if you're playing on like uh, harder hard or expert, then you're probably not gonna. The test is probably a little bit harder to t- to pass reliably, and it's also like a little bit more dangerous to do the tests. Uh, depending on what mm. the spooky symbols do, but this is definitely extremely great if you're playing easy standard, and probably it's yeah, it's probably pretty good and hard too. Uh, I yeah, I mean so. I think it's great because even if you're in a situation where it, you're at risk if you draw like a cultist and fail, then you just don't use it, and then it's just a passive agility, which is still pretty good. You know, like like it, it's still almost good even if you're not ever using the reaction ability, and if you are using the reaction ability, then it's just amazing. Yeah, I agree. Pretty great. I'm going to show up to Arkham Knights with a pair of track shoes, I hope you know. All right, well... Uh, you're probably going to get kicked out of the Fantasy yeah. Game Center. <laughs> <laughs> I, they won't be bloody, I promise. Actually, just good luck getting on the plane. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> still going to mess up their rugs, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I'm going to have to convince uh, airport security that they're the best They're the best. It's okay, just, just run to case. Minnesota. You'll have cleats on. So just, <laughs> <laughs> who, needs, who needs planes? Planes, oh, uh, planes emit lots of fossil fuel emissions. By the way, if, if there's ever a point where you would draw a Crypt Chill... And you're playing like Finn or somebody who who also is that's guys take track shoes if you're Finn because you want to run. But if there's ever a point where you you have track shoes on, it's the only thing you have out, and you get a crypt chill, and there's a seeker, and the only thing they have out is Milan. You let them handle that because you have to keep your kicks <laughs> whoa, pristine. Whoa. No, you sure don't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if they have if they're a good willpower seeker, you could maybe let them handle it. Uh, I would say like. In in Finn, there is definitely a little bit more competition because Finn can only take uh, five uh, non rogue cards in his deck. Yeah, so for sure. it's a little bit more questionable as a auto include for him. But uh, it's definitely it's definitely a good candidate. Who doesn't want baller kicks though, right? Yeah. Well, but yeah, we we all agree this card's great. Really good for like Wendy, uh, 
Finn, Rita, like just just about anybody that's using agility. It's a really really good card. Guys, episode sixteen title: Track Shoes. Put them in your deck. Really boring title, Dan. Mm, no. <laughs> they would have to listen to the podcast if we use that. Oh, that's a good point. Let's move on to the last of the kind of regular cards outside of the that those skills and those uh, those tarot cards. So there's a survivor card event. Cost zero, uh, has two combat icons on it. It's called Active Desperation. It's a tactic and a gambit. Uh, as an additional cost to play Active Desperation, choose and discard an item asset that takes up at least one hand slot from your hand or play area. Fight, you get plus X uh, combat and deal plus one damage with this attack, where X is the chosen asset's printed resource cost. If you succeed and that asset was in your play area, gain X resources. Uh, and the art is a lady holding a gun probably the wrong way, although I'm not entirely sure. Um, and the point of view of the camera is a tentacle monster that is trying to attack her. Also, there's yeah. books on the floor. <laughs> books which should probably be set on fire just in case they contain uh, scary knowledge. <laughs> oh, Guys, you, the most important part about this card is that Mark can take it. The next most important card about, nope. uh, part about this card is that it's a very interesting way to gain money for Mark, who can take it. <laughs> how does it, how does it gain money? How does it gain money for Mark? Oh, I don't... yeah, I can throw away my machete and gain three resources. <laughs> Dan gets it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I see. Mean, what you mean. I think that this is. I think this might be quite good for William Yorick because he can use it. Yeah. To exactly. Replay it. Boy Yorick. I think for most other people, not so much. Yeah. Well, because it it's good for like uh, trashing your guns that are out of ammo or whatever. Oh, yeah. and like getting the money back for playing. Oh yeah, them. he's reloading. It's de- I think it's definitely definitely very solid for York because even because he can just throw whatever asset was in his uh, hand that he wanted to play into the garbage. Play this to deal two damage and then get that asset out. Although if he's playing it from hand, he doesn't get the resources. Oh no! Oh yeah, right. you don't get the play resources. Yeah. Still though. But still pretty good because it's also, you know, it's like an overpower if you need it or like you can toss something out and get, uh, you, you can throw out an extra gun you don't need and get plus four or something, so. But wait, so on Yorick, my understanding is that if you have an empty 45, you can active desperation, smack him with it, and then you can immediately re-equip it. Of course, you're netting no resources, but you get all of your ammo back. Is that right? Right. Because okay, it, okay, it get, it get, the item gets discarded before this gets resolved, so he'll, he can trigger his thing to fish it out of the garbage. Just like real life, guys. So the fact that this works as, like, an extra ammunition, or as an overpower, or as, like, a couple of other things makes it pretty flexible, so that's definitely really good. Yeah, and depending on what you're discarding, there can be huge benefit to strength, right? Like, if you're discarding a 45, you get plus four strength for that test. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. For, for a level zero card that costs zero... And also has the benefit of having two fight icons on it, or combat icons on it. That's pretty great. Also, Mark can take it. Uh, yeah, Mark's not going to play this. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Mark wants it, but I think it's a pretty good uh, card for supporting people that want to fight as survivors. Yeah, I, you might, and you might upgrade out of it once you get like the Time Worn brand or something, and you don't really need it as much anymore if you're not relying on guns. But then again, you might not, so... Yeah, I think it's a cool, a very cool card for Yorick. I think in the way that uh, Defiance is a good card for Silas, this is a good card for Yorick. Um, depending on what you're playing, of course, if you're playing like smaller things like like knives and you know smaller things that wouldn't give you as big of a benefit, maybe not. But if you're playing like bigger weapons like uh, the four your forty fives and and thirty twos or is it thirty two? I don't remember. But um, that kind of thing, you can you can kind of pistol whip people to reload, and and, and it's kind of a cool. Nintendo 64 moment where you don't even see the animation happen and you just have a, a new 
Yeah, you, you you press the you press the right bumper and you whack the whatever <laughs> with your pistol and then you kind of like juggle it in your hand and then you hit the X button when it's in the right place of the meter and it gives you like a little damage boost and it's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's a cool cool niche card. I think. Well, I, I don't know if it's niche. As we said, it's I think it's pretty flexible. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, sure. I think it's flexible for survivors who are fighting using combat and who have like. Uh, things that run out of ammunition or uses, which is, I think, is really mostly William Yorick, but maybe also some others. Yeah, also Mark. <laughs> you just keep <laughs> trying to troll me on this, Dane. It's not gonna work. <laughs> Ugh. So those are that's the last of the cards from the from the main pool, right? Now we're gonna start talking about the collections that we were we were we were um, we kind of compartmentalized. So the first thing we want to talk about is the skill cards. Um, this is a cycle of skill cards that all have a very similar theme in that they give extra icons for kind of like having a, a middle ground of a resource or, or some specific aspect of the game. Then they have a high end where if you have a lot of this specific thing, you get a very big bonus. Yeah. So we want to start out with these skill cards. Well, so let's just kind of summarize them rather than actually reading them because they're all like pretty close together. So yeah. the, the names, the guardian one is steadfast, the secret one is curiosity, the rogue one is cunning, the mystic one is prophecy, and the survivor one is able-bodied. And uh, somebody read the icons on them. Yeah, so Steadfast is will and strength. Curiosity is will and intelligence. Cunning is intellect and agility. Prophecy is wild symbol. Able-bodied is strength and agility. All have different ones. Yeah, and, and they... So Steadfast gets more symbols depending on the amount of total remaining health and sanity you have. Curiosity gets more symbols based on the amount of cards in hand that you have. Cunning, it's based on uh, the amount of resources that you have. Prophecy is based on the amount of doom in play. And able-bodied is based on the number of item assets that you have in play or, or in your control. Yeah, so overall for these cards, um, like it, they're very good for decks that have like a focus on maintaining whatever state they work with. Like Curiosity might be pretty good for like uh, higher education decks where you're trying to always have lots... or trying to have lots of cards in your hand you know that type of stuff cunning is great for the big money decks and stuff but they're kind of bad if you're not going to be like probably pretty reliably at at least the middle ground state and or most of the time at the high high end state yeah i think yeah because if you're just at the middle ground state and it's giving you two of like most of them if, if you're in the kind of the middle level it's going to give you either two of one symbol or two of another like curiosity give you either two willpower or two intellect so you kind of assume you're already playing two courages. It's like, how many more skill cards do you need? And you have to judge this against just playing like guts or perception or logical reasoning and things like that. Right. So the thing that is, is cool for in this respect is that they all, um, they all affect what you kind of want to be good at in these, in these colors anyways. Um, so steadfast um, being will and strength, your guardian will get great use out of that. Everybody gets good use out of these things, and I think that they're all pretty reasonable to include in a deck, again, with all of these circumstances uh, fulfilled. But the most important thing that I want to draw everybody's attention to is that I'm nominating Curiosity to have the best flavor text in the game. <laughs> I, I, could, I could get on board with what that. What if you are the cat, though, Ben? That's if, my question. What if you are the cat? What if you were the cat? Listeners, what if you are the cat? What if you were the cat? <laughs> because curiosity killed the cat. But what if you are the cat? Talking cat? I can't explain the joke, Dane. That's what uh, this guy is pontificating. 
for uh, years. His thesis is on this. Well, and and also there, these are all cat themed because the flavor text for Steadfast says there's a fine line between bravery and Carolyn's cat. So you know it's all it's all related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the cat pack. I I originally thought that all of these were pretty bad or at least not great. Ben kind of talked me into Steadfast being worth looking at, and I think it actually is sort of decent just because it's basically an overpower that can also be a guts if you really need it. So I think Steadfast is pretty decent. Curiosity, as Dane said, like if you're playing with higher education, then it's you know maybe worth thinking about. I just think in a lot of cases you have other options for skill cards or skill card like things that might be better, but. At least a couple of them are okay. Definitely don't play able-bodied. I think people really want to play able-bodied like, oh, I'm going to play an item light build. That's all events. It's like, yeah, this is not anywhere near a good enough payoff for that. You get like two copies of one skill card that's not that great. Like, it's just, it's not there. I think that's the toughest one. The, the one with the most strictures anyways. The next I would say is Prophecy. Um, they're usually going to be a fair amount of Doom in play. I read, I read Prophecy wrong initially thinking that it was only Doom on things that you have in play. But I think that it's reasonable that there could be three Doom in play and it would be just kind of a courage, so to speak. Um, sometimes it's a little more rare, like in the case of um, the the train in Dunwich where yeah. you have very fast acts or, or agendas rather. Right. So you might not have that opportunity to play it for that. I mean, for prophecy, uh, it probably synergizes pretty well with Marie, who we didn't talk about too much today but uh because she's always trying to be like riding the edge of uh having as much doom as possible without actually advancing the agenda (laughs) yeah (laughs) although in that case you maybe have to think about whether you really want your whole deck to be committed to having doom in play when you know there's some scenarios like essex county express where you can't really rely on that like do you really want to make your deck even more dependent on that situation but no i mean i I think most of these are like most of none of these are like fantastic but i think most of them are sort of worth considering for at least for certain decks yeah, but i sure. able able-bodied is the one that i just think is quite bad but the rest are pretty okay yeah and and don't put prophecy in your deck if if you haven't seen the art yet don't put it in your deck if you're easily scared of things all right <laughs> this, this art is like this art i'm pretty sure has kept me up at night more than once it's uh, it's pretty gross it's uh it's like the it's the it's the momo card yeah or, or if you have like tryptophobia or anything like that just be be wary you've been warned here first folks the art for this card is scary very good it evokes a lot of good, interesting things, but uh, but are you the cat, though, is the real question here. <laughs> Moving on to the last section of these, these col- a collection of cards, we have tarot cards. Ben, you want to take us through what, what these tarot cards are and why everybody's so excited about them? Sure. So, uh, so this pack came with uh, seven tarot cards in it, uh, where there was one for like each class in a neutral and also a weakness. And their whole deal is, uh, other than the weakness, they're all like level one cards that cost three to play. And they take up the new tarot slot, which is a new slot introduced in this expansion. And all of them have the reaction, uh, when the game begins, uh, if the card is in your hand, put it into play. Uh, which means you get to play it uh, for free, with no cost in terms of actions or uh, the three money. And what's great about them is... Right, so ley line of uh, combat, ley line of intellect, ley line of activity, <laughs> so on and so on. I don't. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so these words mean uh, nothing here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Ley lines. Those were a thing in, in WoW or something. Something with magic. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, the first four of these cards all just give a passive plus one to one of the skills. Uh, the guardian card, Ace of Swords, gives plus one to combat. The seeker card, Death X I I, 
I. 13? Gives plus one to intellect. Uh, the moon, which is the rogue card, gives plus one agility. And the four of cups gives mystics uh, plus one willpower. So these are generally like the stat those classes are going to be focusing on. Like, uh, you know, guardians fight stuff for the most part. Seekers investigate for the most part. Mystics like to use willpower. And uh, rogues generally like agility. So, like, these four cards are all, like, very tempting to put in your deck. Just because they're very cheap upgrades. They don't don't take up uh, a, a competitive slot right now. And they're great if they're in your opening hands. And they're, mm. uh, pr- they're, like, pretty okay if they're not. They cost three to play otherwise. But as we were talking about with uh, track shoes, like, just, like, a plus one to your main skill is pretty great. Mm. For sure, yeah. Downside to these cards, though, is, which shouldn't be overlooked, is that they don't have any commit icons on them. Yes. So if you put two of them in your deck, because there's only one tarot slot, uh, you're guaranteed that... Well, not guaranteed, but when you draw the sec- if you draw the second one, it's a dead card. Yeah, and that is a real that is a real downside, probably more than people might 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 think. The one exception yeah, is definitely if you're playing somebody like Ashcan Pete or Wendy, who has an ability where you can discard a card and get some kind of a benefit from it, then it's not so bad. Or if you're playing cornered, but as a yes. it, as it just so happens, those are all survivor things because they have kind of have the theme of discarding cards, and the survivor one of these cards is the one that's like really really bad. It's, the other ones are yes. all pretty good, and then the survivor one's the really bad one. So everyone's the five of pentacles, which gives a plus one health and plus one sanity. It's good for Calvin, probably. Yeah, definitely good for Calvin. Good for Calvin, uh, yes. But yes. everyone else, like survivors, already have like a lot of like health and sanity soaks. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and that's and that just that really only benefits you when you're about to die. Like the fir- and if yeah. the game is going well, or until you get close to death, that it gives you literally no benefit at all. So yeah, I guess just going on what Ben said about the downside of the icons. I think that maybe it's correct to play one of these. I think maybe you should resist the temptation to play two, even though that increases the chance you have it in your opening hand, just because then you don't have a completely dead card when you draw the second one. Well, we, we didn't talk about Ace of Rods yet, right? Oh yeah, the, the neutral one. Yeah, the neutral one's interesting. Um, I don't think it has much of an overt benefit as the others. Um, so it, it's very unique, very specific. During your turn, remove Ace of Rods from the game as a, as a fast action. You may take an additional action this turn, which during which you get plus two to all of your skills. And then as a reaction, when the game begins again, you can put it into play. So it gives you like an extra action where you kind of have like a mini red gloved man ish kind of a effect. But again, like not nowhere near close to, to how good a static boost to what you want is. If only it said discard instead of remove from the game, it would be really fun for William Yorick, but unfortunately. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, I think that it, it could be cool. Like it, it could be an argument in like a, maybe a York deck or something who can kind of benefit yeah. from that or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I would really play the neutral one. It's, it's not bad, but I, I don't think it's going to quite fit into decks, but I think that the first four, the, the guardian seeker rogue and mystic ones are all pretty decent, at least for some decks, as long as you keep in mind the limitation that they don't have any icons, and uh, you know, as long as you keep that in mind, I think that they're they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I like them, and uh, the art on all of them I think is pretty fun. Uh, it all has like all the art, all the arts have like somebody doing something weird with each tarot card. Yeah, there's just a lot of interesting details with like the background in each one. It's really good. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the the thing that would most interest me. If somebody has already done the math on these, uh, on like opening hands and whether or not you can just hard mulligan for them, 
I would be very eager to see that just because I want to see the percentage of the time that you will actually see these and benefit from the when the game begins effect. Because assuming that you're playing a f- one one full uh, cycle, so let's say you're playing the downward cycle, for example, you have seven times in which you can, unless you're Mateo, you can have a chance at even having that effect happen, right? So that's seven times during the game that that, that may come into play or not. And you really kind of have to weigh whether or not that's worth... Um, for for some people, you know, but th- I guess I guess the big boon here is that they're all one experience, so anybody can play them that has access to you know one to two and or zero to two in a specific thing. So they're they're versatile in that sense, I think. I mean, I think the the win the game begins effect is kind of just gravy on top of it, like that yeah, saves you the yeah. action. Like it's still good. It's like a, still a very good asset to play to save you money down the line and stuff. But you wouldn't you wouldn't hard mulligan for it though, right? Let's say like you're a seeker and you've got Milan and you've got magnifying glasses and things. Uh, you might not want to do that though, right? Uh, like it might not be like your number one priority for hard mulliganing. And the the only other thing I would say is if you if you're playing a character that has like a base five in their main stat, like if you're playing Agnes or Daisy, then I actually think you really want to think hard about whether this is worth having because if you're playing Daisy with like Milan, you're already at a six once you get Milan down. If you're playing with higher right. education or something, you might not actually really need this. And kind of the same with Agnes or Mark. I'm not saying you don't, just like think hard about how high you really need your main stat to be and how many cards you need in your deck that boost it. Because you might, this one might be like not quite at the top of the list. But for most characters, I think that this is going to be pretty good. Yeah, it also depends on the difficulty on how, you know, for that target number of what you want your stat to be at. That's certainly true. If you're playing harder expert, it's more likely. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's that's a pretty good uh, thing too, though. Question, real quick: Why it's good for Calvin to have the Five of Pentacles is because he gets an additional, basically, threshold for his ability to happen, right? So, so he has technically yeah. seven health and sanity, which is important because it might not be apparent um, in in some sort of way. So he will actually have a, his his health and sanity thresholds have been increased in a way, rather than like his unique card where. It gives him like a, a separate pool that he can put direct damage on. This would actually give him another stat, so he could sit at one health, one sanity, and be at five in everything, right, or six? So you could be at six in everything. Six, six in everything. Yeah. So, so I think it's pretty pretty good for Calvin. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you could use it either to have a little bit more of a buffer to not die if something goes wrong, or you could use it to go even yeah. closer to the edge of death and have slightly higher stats. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. I really liked, I, we were all, everybody, I think it was, the, the whole community was very surprised about them including an entirely new, um, a new slot for, to put cards into. And it's also interesting that, you know, in the case of the track shoes, uh, they didn't actually make it a slot. They just had it be a trait footwear and then they had the text limit one footwear per investigator. Yeah, uh, right. So I'm, I'm curious about why they decided to make a new slot for these, but not for that. Well, there's a, there's like a slight difference in like having a limit uh, versus a slot, which I definitely looked up before we started to record this, but I forgot since then. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I think limit uh, prevents you from like playing a second copy, like a second footwear. Like I think that prevents you from actually playing it. While a slot, like you can play it, and then it'll then you get to choose which one you get rid of if you're over the number of slots. But I could be wrong on that. No, I mean that sounds right, but that sounds right. But in that case, why is it important mm. that you can't play new track shoes over your old track shoes? Like it just seems to like uh, complications. So. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense. You can't put on a second pair of shoes over your pair of shoes and then take out the inner pair of shoes. Eh. What if we, what if we get boots? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or, uh, or crampons, snowshoes. Yeah. Skis, skis for the inevitable, uh, 
Mountains of Madness. At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, come on. Plus, every, everybody's everybody's so concerned about all these tarot cards, but, like, footwear is where it's at, guys. We're talking about footwear again. Like, you need sweet kicks. You don't need cards, guys. So, I guess uh, the the last things to talk about, there are a couple of basic weaknesses, one of which is a tarot card that takes up the slot we were just talking about, and the other one of which is also interesting. Um, let me let me read the, the first of the basic weaknesses. This is uh, the Tower uh, 16 in Roman numerals. It's cost four. It's an asset basic weakness. It's an omen and a tarot. It says you cannot commit cards to skill tests while the tower 16 is in your hand. If the tower 16 is drawn in your opening hand during setup before or after taking a mulligan, you cannot replace it. It must stay in your opening hand. And it, of course it takes up the tarot slot. I think if you get this, you don't get tarot cards ever. It definitely makes them a lot worse and probably it's enough to push to push you off of the direction of getting the good tarot cards. That yeah. said, I don't think it's that bad a basic weakness because all it really takes is an action and four resources to get rid of it, and then it's fine. And even if you don't play it, maybe you can get by a couple of turns without committing stuff. So, But Dan the Abacus asked, what if you're playing a Dark Horse build and you get this card? Uh, reevaluate your life. And uh, <laughs> No, I, 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 I joke, obviously. Dark Horse is great. It's the best, it's the best card in the game. Yeah, it um, can be hard sometimes, I think, for people. Especially for survivors, I think. I think the four resource cost can can be a little nasty uh depending on your deck just like if you if you have in your opening hand then maybe you just get rid of it right away and you start with less money but if you're like deeper into the game you draw this where you're already at low money and like usually later in the game sort of you like actually want to commit cards to like important tests uh it could be it could be pretty pretty annoying yeah for sure yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I didn't mean to say that it was, like, not bad at all, just that I don't think it fits in that top tier of really annoying basic weakness cards, like Overzealous and Amnesia, but it, it's definitely yeah. not, it's not, like, the, the nicest ones, like, in Dead either. Right. It's certainly tough, depending on, you know, where where you are in the game, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and, and on how much you rely on committing cards. If you're playing Silas or somebody, then it's very annoying. But Ben, uh, what about this all-new other other weakness that just came out of nowhere? Oh, uh, are you talking about the uh, the 13th Vision? Yeah! Is that what you're referring to? Yes, tell us more about the 13th Vision, Ben. So, uh, this, is a, this is a treachery, uh, and it is an omen. The revelation is, put the 13th Vision into play in your threat area, and its effect is, investigators at your location fail ties during skill tests. Uh, and it's a double action to discard the 13th Vision. Oh, and it was uh, designed by the 13 at Arcanites 2017. Oh. That sounds spooky as shit, Ben. Yeah. So, Ben, I, I, I only have one question. What are you going to buy with your royalties for the, the <laughs> proceeds from the tales <laughs> of The Circle Undone? As a, as a co-designer of this, of this expansion set, uh, I'm sure that you're going to be, I'm sure you're going to be just rolling in cash. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds about right. Uh, I'm gonna have to double double read the fine print on the uh, the whatever the contracts they had me sign when I participated in this, designing <laughs> this card. Uh... <laughs> Can you uh, now that it's actually out and it's it's been released? Are you? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Are you allowed to give us like the very quick thirty second description of like uh, what the discussion was like making this card, or are you still bound mm, legally? That's a good question. The, that sounds uh, like something I should have the checked grim before. Act that you signed. <laughs> I mean, I can't mention, like, I probably can't mention, like, how we had to all cut our hands and, like, sign in blood uh, an oath. Like, I probably shouldn't, I shouldn't mention that, probably, for legal reasons. Matt uh, Newman might get on his Matt Newman chopper and fly here. You probably can't tell us the true name of the elder entity that was present to witness the signing of this pact, because if you did, we would all go mad. But, uh... Right, obviously. Right. 
I know the the card councils that were done in 2018, I think they didn't have to sign like an NDA. And I think the NDAs in general for like playtesters for FFG, like once the stuff's out, you can talk about it. Uh, but I didn't actually go and read my NDA again. <laughs> uh, so at Arcanites 2017, we uh, they got like 12 of us together and we worked with one of the designers of the core set, uh, Nate French, uh, to like design this card. And they kind of like worked worked us through the process of like how they go about designing cards and then we kind of just bounced around a few ideas for what we could do uh for this and there was like a couple that were like like uh complex ideas that uh, were pretty interesting and there were some other ones that were similar to existing cards and there's this one uh that we came up with which uh we thought was like subtly annoying uh for like the the average player where like it doesn't seem so bad to fail its ties but uh in reality it's it's definitely very bad it's similar to a minus one and uh we definitely got some criticism afterward on it uh because it's definitely very similar to haunted uh in terms of the, its effect where haunted also is just a minus one to all your skills and you get rid of it by using two actions but i mean overall it was like a fun experience to design the card it is definitely it is a little bit different. This one's actually kind of a little bit worse than Haunted, because uh, it affects all investigators at your location. Yeah, that yeah, is true. I mean, but that's that's enough to make it different and definitely worse and scarier. And like you kind of have to deal with it in most cases, I think. But there's a there's like a there's a couple of several differences where like uh, if you're doing like a fa- uh, succeed by whatever build or fail by whatever build, this doesn't like affect those that well. So like if you're playing like a rogue, mm. uh, oh yeah then you might not care about it. If you're playing Rogue on solo, if you get this, it might not be as scary or as annoying uh, as Haunted. Well, rogues, rogues can kind of like, I mean, there are instances where other classes can benefit from like a Shroud level being at zero and then you, no matter what, you'll win, right? Kind of a thing. So this this kind of breaks that also like guaranteed win over over that small circumstance. Yeah, that was the, that was the idea behind it was that it uh, made it so like you can't use Flashlight to reduce a Shroud down to zero and auto-succeed. Yeah. Yeah. If they ever print like a you know data sucker or whatever that kind of like reduces the difficulty of a skill test for in exchange for something, then that would this would definitely get in the way of that. So, but it wouldn't be virus counters. Well, you never know. <laughs> they, they could introduce virus counters and have them be like polio or something that was around in the 1920s. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not going to have polio encounters. They could no. have like a young uh, a young FDR when he was like Secretary of the Navy or something, uh, and have him use like polio virus counters to uh, to. This this is a great idea. I'm going to stop talking about it because it's so good. I don't want to, I don't want to put it out there for people to steal. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. FDR aside. Yeah. So this card, uh, I'm, I'm glad they included this set because this, the whole theme of this expansion is like, you know, predicting the future or whatever, because of using the tarot yeah. cards and yeah, stuff. That's true. Yeah. Oh, notably Ben, I'm, I'm very glad that you were part of the 13th council, the 13, because the first 12 were false and they were never heard from again. <laughs> So I'm very glad that you're here with us today, Ben. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as you know. Uh, so Don't do this yeah. to me, Ben. Yeah, so two pretty cool new additions to the basic weakness pool. I, I like it when the basic weakness pool gets bigger just because it's like more of a, you draw one and you're like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this one in a while. And it's sort of just like a, makes it more interesting. Yeah, and I expect because uh, just because this weakness was released in this expansion, uh, I'm sure the player card that was designed will also come out, which will be, which is a, uh, which is a fun, interesting card. So we'll be excited to see that after they uh, do a pass over it to modify it at all. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not get into too many spoilers, though. Um, in consideration of everything that we've seen today, all of the cards that we were reviewed, um, 
one of the biggest aspects of of the quality of these cards is the art. I think the art is is phenomenal on almost across the board. I think. Um, just don't look at prophecy. Just flip, let it flip it over when you get it. But otherwise, everything <laughs> else, grade A. Good job, art team. As as, as it usually is. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The so, card pool overall, I think. Uh, I think we liked all, most of these cards too, as well, right? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're definitely above as far as the bar goes for entire packs and entire sets. I think that this one was pretty pretty good. I mean, there's not too many that were like generically. Uh, this is great, amazing, use it all the time. But there's definitely enough that are like good in like certain archetypes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think it depends whether you consider Big Money Preston and Diana to be like archetypes that are worth playing because there were basically four cards that were really only good for those. So I, I don't know. I think it depends how interested you are to play Preston or Diana because the green and purple cards from this set are very heavily targeted towards those investigators specifically. But some of the other cards like Track Shoes and Fingerprint Kit are just more broadly good. So, Yeah, so in summary, those are all of our thoughts on the player cards found in the Circle Undyne, guys. We'd love to hear what your take on these are. Do you agree or disagree with our assessments? Is there anything that we overlooked? Are there any rules Ben failed to correct us on other than the very obvious one? <laughs> Comment wherever you listen to podcasts and email us at miskatonicuniversityradio at gmail.com and ask yourself, what if you are the cat? We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. All right, bye.